yeah, I'm just privileged that our community can be a part of it. So I wanted to share that, and we come to celebrate what God is doing. We come to celebrate the good news that is working and at work in our community. And when I say our community, I mean the people that you see right here sitting across from you and those who aren't here that would normally be in these seats. But we proclaim today that Jesus' love is working among us. He's, it's working in us and it's to be shared among us. And as that happens, we bring glory to God and good to our city, good to our neighborhood. As we allow the love of God that is working in each of you who have given your life to Jesus, the, God, the, the love of God purchased by the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus is at work in you and is to be shared among us for the glory of God and for the good of our city. That is what we proclaim today. So our passage, John 14, uh, I'm just going to read the one verse, verse 34. uh, John 13, verse 34, Jesus speaks to his disciples. And this is during the Last Supper, right after Judas has gone out to betray him. Right? And Jesus knows that. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. He says, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I don't know if anyone's watched the show Community, the network's to come. Jamie's really excited about it. Anyone else? <laughs> uh, sitcom Community. So uh, I've only watched like, the first episode, but it was pretty big. It kind of a cult following for a bit. Um, and the producer of that show was experiencing a lot of success. He was the head writer. His name was Dan Harmon. Recently, he, uh, on his podcast, uh, made an apology. And it's kind of shocked the world a bit, the nation, uh, people in entertainment, because it's around uh, sexual harassment. And we know with the Me Too movement and all of this that's been going on, that a lot of um, people have been called out. And a lot of like half-hearted, not so uh, genuine apologies seem to be being made. Like, well, I don't remember. So this guy, on his podcast, uh, made a really uh, strong apology and confessed the way that he had um, used his position of power to harass and to manipulate and to... Um, make life miserable for one of his female employees, a, a, another writer. And so it was big, and I mean, the apologies, like, it made enough splash in, in our country that This American Life, the podcast, had a 26-minute piece on this apology and how he had issued it and how the, the, the woman who uh, had called him out actually accepted the, the apology and they've experienced some reconciliation. And so I was couldn't sleep the other night, and I was listening to This American Life at 3.30 in the morning, and I was hearing the segment. And so Dan Harmon was the creator and producer of this show, Community, and one of his writers was a woman that he began to be very attracted to. 
he was living with, uh, he was in a committed relationship with a girlfriend. He was living with this other girl. And uh, this other, his girlfriend like, kind of called him out. He goes, seems like you're paying a lot of attention to this woman. And he's like, no, no, no. She's a talented writer. I'm mentoring her. Um, I just want to see her um, succeed. And so uh, he kept on doing this. And she began to notice it. And it was kind of awkwardly uncomfortable because he kept on like giving her preference in, in the group and like uh, having her ideas just kind of gain all uh, the notoriety and, and putting her lines in the show and letting her write whole shows where she was just young and really that would be unheard of normally. And so she would kind of, she actually challenged him a couple times, like, are you, like, I want to make sure this is good, because he started flirting with her and stuff, and she said, you cannot, uh, like, give me these opportunities if it's because you hope there's something between us, because that will discredit my whole career. And he says, no, 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 I'm, you're talented, you're, you're doing this. And so he kept on doing, kept on getting more, uh, you know, out there with his kind of flirtations and his flirting. And, and so then he eventually started to fall in love, in his words, fall in love with his woman. Love, what does that mean? And so he broke up with his longtime girlfriend and declared his love like out there to this woman and she said, no, I can't do that. That's inappropriate. We cannot do that. And then he said, this is, I wrote this quote down. He says, at this point, he's speaking how he was thinking. Now I wanted to teach her a lesson. I wanted to show her that if she didn't like being liked in that way, then, oh boy, she should get over herself. After all, if you're just going to be a writer, then this is how just writers get treated. And she, he flipped on her and started making her life just miserable and ridiculing her in public and doing all these things. And so he made an apology and he said, I viewed this woman for only what she could give me. And as soon as she refused to give what I wanted from her, I turned on her. I called it love, but love doesn't turn on another person that way. And the only reason I treated this woman this way is because she was a woman. I would have never treated another man this way, but it was because I had an attraction to her. I wanted something from her. I called it love, but it, in fact, wasn't love. Now, I think we all can relate to the misapplication and misuse of love in our lives, where it can become coercive, manipulative, self-serving, self-centered, and self-orienting, right? Where we begin to love someone for what they can give us, what they provide for us. Aristotle, and then later Aquinas, had, you've probably heard of this, the three kinds of friendship. He said there is a friendship of utility, Relationships of utility, relationships of pleasure, and relationships of virtue or goodness. The first two relationships, the relationships based on utility. He says these are relationships based on the transaction between two people. That it is useful for me to be in relationship with you. And so our relationship or our love, our, our, our kind of 
what masquerades as love is based on what I can get from you, the usefulness of this relationship. So on a very basic level, the teller at Walmart, uh, we're in a utilitarian relationship, right? Like I need uh, them, he, him or her, to bag my groceries. I need to pay that person so that I can go on my way and get my groceries. So there's a usefulness there. It's a relationship of utility. But it's also, I might want to be in a relationship with you or really um, want to be a friend with, for you, with you because you have knowledge that I find useful. You, you can teach me something. Or, I, or um, you have money that I need. So I'm in a relationship with you because of that money. And so there's all these motivations. And we can tend to manipulate that relationship based on its usefulness. But those kinds of friendships only last as long as the usefulness lasts, right? And so as soon as the relationship becomes not useful to me, then it fades and I walk away. The other kind is the relationship based on pleasure. That you are hanging out with someone because they're a lot like you maybe, or because they bring you enjoyment, or because they make you laugh or because they make you feel good about yourself. And so you get enjoyment, you get pleasure uh, from that person in some way. And so the relationship is based on pleasure or enjoyment. As soon as that relationship stops giving you enjoyment and pleasure, you're gonna walk away, or it dissolves. And we so often do this. What Aristotle says is that the relationship based on goodness or virtue, and Aquinas takes this on later, he calls it um, a relationship based on true love or virtue, is that we are in relationship with another person for the good of that person. Apart from how I want to be, how I, what I get out of it. Now a benefit of that relationship might be that I get joy. It might be useful to me. It might bring me pleasure. But the purpose and my intent is not, is the end of that relationship, the purpose of the relationship is to be, to bless that person, to seek that person's good, to be others oriented, and to seek um, that person. And Aquinas says not just for that person's good, but that they would find their purpose in God, that they would be fully conformed to the image of Jesus. And so the relationship is based on getting to be more and more like Jesus. And so, I don't know about you, but I think our, our culture does not know what love really is and tends to use love as we tend to live in the world of relationships of utility, relationships for pleasure, and very rarely, even in our marriages, even with our children, even with our closest friends, are we in a friendship with someone or a relationship with someone to truly be all about their good and their growth in who God is and who God has made them to be? So what do we do about this? I think we need to hear proclaim that the, in a world like this where we use people for how their usefulness and our enjoyment. That Jesus is at work. The love of Jesus is at work in us. 
And that love of Jesus that's at work in us is to be shared among us. And this is to God's glory and for the good of our city and our neighborhood and our community. So Jesus says, just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. So Jesus says this in, in this context, right? He says this in the, the Last Supper that he is sharing with his disciples. He's lived with them for three years and he's about to be betrayed by Judas. The first verse, verse 31 says, when he had gone out, when Judas had gone out from them, he had just get fed said he had just had this last supper, and he said, the one to whom I give this bread um, is the one who will betray me. And he gives it to Judas, and Judas goes. And Jesus says, go, do what you have to do. And so out of his midst goes Judas. And just before that, in uh, the first few verses of chapter 13, Jesus had uh, taken up a towel, taken up a bucket of water and started washing the disciples' feet, taking the position of a slave, a servant, the lowest position, and washing the disciples' feet, serving them that way. And so, in this context, Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Just like I have loved you, so you should love one another. Jesus loves in a way that is distinct from the way we are taught and formed to love in our culture. We are taught to pursue relationships based on what they can bring us or rather than what we can contribute to the person's growth. We are designed in our fallen condition to look at other people and situations through the lens of how this can benefit me. And we do this consciously and self-consciously. But Jesus gives us the perfect picture of what love looks like. And love is not self-serving as we look at Jesus. Love is not manipulative as we look at Jesus. Love is not coercive as we look at Jesus. Love is not based on what he will get out of it or for his pleasure alone. But he is in it for the good of his disciples, for the good of his people, for the good of humanity. So he says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Now, think about who these disciples are. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Um, but think about who he has brought together. Do you know who these guys are? These 12? One is just left. To murder, like to betray Jesus and sell him for 30, was it 30 pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. One, uh, several of them are fishermen, right? One guy is a tax collector, which means that he is, he has basically betrayed his people, the Jewish people, has um, kind of, he's in cahoots with the Roman Empire, which is oppressing his people, so he is sold out and it's kind of just like a, uh, in collaboration with the Roman Empire. Like he's sold out. He's sold out for lots of money to uh, betray his people. And then you got a, a zealot, Simon the Zealot. You know what zealots want to do? They want to take up arms and overthrow the Roman Empire violently. Okay, So it was Simon and Matthew would have hated each other. 
and any other, they would have been violently disagreeing as to how to deal with the Roman Empire. You've got fishermen who have a different outlook on life. You've got this group of people, these men, that are not just like one another, okay? He calls together a diverse group of people with diverse opinions, with diverse ways of life, with diverse philosophies and theologies, and he brings them together to live in community, to share in Jesus' life, and to be on mission. And these are the guys that he's picked to go and declare the good news to all the world. This is who he's basing his hope on to see the Jesus movement carry forward. And so, I think sometimes in our culture, tell me if I'm wrong, that we want to be with people that are like us. Is that true? And that we want to love people that are like us. And as soon as someone stops being like us, they start thinking different than us. They start smelling different than us. They start um, believing different than us. Then we start to retreat. We start to step back. I think love in our con- our culture has been about what, who can I love that's just like me? This is what, when we're looking for a spouse, we look at who can complete me? Who can make my, like be, be part of my life and is moving in the same direction? And we go, in, and as soon as that stops happening, as soon as that person doesn't fulfill my desires or meet my needs, or things aren't going well, then we're like, I've fallen out of love, right? Because I, this person isn't like me anymore. That's often what happens. So, Jesus' love, that he says, you love one another as I have loved you. The first thing, our love for one another is not based on our affinity, but it's based on our affection. It's based on love. It's not based on what if we're the same, if we're like one another. Um, all right, simple. So let me give. Was that Miriam was there too, right? Yes, Miriam. Yes. Mary. Yes, we have. Mary we, Magdalene. Yes, Mary Magdalene. We've got. We've got. Definitely, we stressed out the other day. When, there's probably at least seventy-two disciples, like all around. These twelve guys. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to say more about that? No, no. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. So, let me just give you a picture because I've said this is specific, and then we're going to move. But, um, um, God is literally at work in our community. His love is at work in us, and it is being shared among us. He's doing something that isn't based on our affinity, based on our likeness, based on our commonality. It's 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 based in the love of Jesus. We see God doing something in our midst, I'm saying. All right? I want to just give you an example. Uh, Robert's here. Malik is not. But Robert and Malik have become, have started to become some of my best friends. I truly have, like, a deep affection for uh, these men. Thank you. Yes. You're supposed to say, you, you love me too. <laughs> 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 but look. 
Robert, come here, man. I'll put you on the spot because I know you don't mind. How, how, how much alike are we? Let's turn around. Let's turn around and just show everyone. I mean, I'm tall, he's not. It's like a, it's like a, like two batteries, a positive and negative. Yeah, there you go. That's the best way I can describe it. Positive and a negative. Okay, you know what? We don't go like this because there's a tongue war, but there's a reason for that. He's trying to get a hold of me, just like he's doing now for everybody in front of us. But you know what? There's always a tug of war, but actually, they go together. Okay? Two batteries have to have a positive or a negative, and I have no idea what that. That's a great illustration because that was my story. So yeah, Robert, oh, that's cool. Robert and I are from two different places. He's a guy born in LA. He lived a completely different life, completely different background. Uh, he, he talks different, he thinks different, he's, he's funnier than I am, all of these things, but we're becoming really good friends. And it's based not on affinity, it's based on the affection, it's based on the love that God is stirring in each of us. And the same is true of Malik, another guy, he's not here, so I'll talk about him, but do we look the same? Do we, look, do we have the same background? But we have this beautiful relationship that is forming, and, and community is being made. It's a community of difference. Difference. D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T-S. Difference. Not difference. Difference. That's hard to say. It's a community of difference. That's what God's love creates. It creates a, a community that is not based on the sameness, but it's draws together different people and like the battery analogy, thank you. It creates a power that actually draws other people into this kind of life. It says to the world, there's something here. The gospel, the good news is that the love of Jesus is at work in us and is shared among us. And as that happens, God is glorified and what? Others are drawn in. Verse 30 this is a really well known by this love one another just as I loved you by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another the only thing that can make these kind of, a relationship between me and Robert last is the love of God and we will be in community and fellowship for eternity based on what Jesus has done and how calls us to live. So we are to love one another. So I just want to ask you, where, think through your relationships and how you, why you're in relationship with someone. Is your love baked for that, for that person or your community based on what the, its usefulness for you? What happens when this community or the person you're married to or um, your neighbor outlives their usefulness to you. You're just not getting much out of it. Or, or are, do you have relationships that are based on just purely pleasure or the enjoyment that they give you? But as soon as that fades, you're not really, you're in it for what they bring to you, not what God is doing in their life. God's love is at work in you. And that kind of love, that kind of unconditional, uncoercive, unmanipulative, self-sacrificing, others-oriented love 
is to be shared with the people in your life, to be shared in community, this community. And as we do that, as we step in flow with the love that God does, the love that makes a community of difference come together, that creates a charge, right? Or brings power, the kingdom power that brings and draws people and allows them to experience the love of Jesus, the community, the family that he creates. So my, my tendency is, just close with this, and then I want to give you some time to reflect. My tendency is to love people kind of in proportion to their responsiveness to that love, okay? So if I do something really nice for someone, like the other day, uh, I, I can remember helping a, a person out, and I really bent over backwards. It's pretty inconvenient for me to do so. And I did all these things, and I was being a really nice guy. And um, when it was all said and done, the person was like, all right, cool, thanks. I was like, is that it? I mean, like, don't I get a little bit more in return? Like, a little more genuine gratitude? Like, I mean, I, I just spent a couple hours doing this thing. It kind of cost me a lot. And so my tendency, I'll, I'll be honest, is like to pull back and be like, eh, that person wasn't grateful enough to me. Like, I didn't get enough out of that. We have to realize, especially as we, we're about like open doors, open tables, open hands, our service of people, our invitation to people, the way that we want to love and help people, often can create a, a relationship of utility and pleasure when, in the name of service. Does that make sense? So that we can serve someone, and even though they can't give us anything in return, we get, we get a feeling of, of what was that? Gratitude. Yeah, we get it. Well, they get. We want gratitude from them, but we feel important. We need people. It's kind of why, well, we're going, why uh, charity and stuff goes wrong, because we need people to stay poor so that we can keep helping them, so we can keep feeling good about ourselves, right? I mean, it's kind of this situation that happens. It gives us a reason to live. It gives us a reason. It makes us feel important. So I tend, that's, I'm just confessing here, that my tendency is to pull back when I don't get the kind of response I would hope for. We can do this with our kids. We can do this with our spouse. Really? I did the, di- I, I did the dishes, and like she didn't even notice. I'm not going to do the dishes anymore. That never happens. So, my tendency is to pull back, but God's, God's call, and the way that he models it for us is he's like, love one another as I have loved you, and he seeks the good of the other person, regardless of the response, regardless of the return on the love investment, right? Because the return on the love investment is the glory of God and the good of the other person. So where do you need to believe and trust that God's love shown in Jesus is at work in you? Where do, can you share that love more in the context of this community, in the context of your family, in the context of your marriage, in the context of your everyday relationships? Where are you holding back love when you could be pouring it out? Where, in what relationships are you in it for their usefulness. What if, think about the people you enjoy and like spending time with. What if something happened that made it 
may that thing go away, whatever you enjoy about that person. Would you still love and care and seek to be in relationship with that person? Jesus' love is working in us to be shared among us. And as it is, God gives the glory. And our city begins to be, get to experience and to see the love of God at work. So let's continue to sing in response to this, um, this good news that God's love is at work. Even when we can't see it, it is at work. Will we cooperate with it? Let's come and sing. Uh, we're going to sing a few songs about God's love, and then we'll be together. Have a chance to exercise and flow in this love together. Let me pray for us. Stand. Lord, we thank you that you, um, you're at work. Your love is at work among us, in us. And it is to be shared among us, Lord. I pray that you would show us where we use people rather than love them, where we seek uh, relationships only for our own pleasure or enjoyment. And Lord, I pray that we cooperate with your spirit, as we submit to your spirit, that we would be able to show love for the good person, for their growth that we would desire to come alongside what you're doing in someone's life, that we would pay attention, not to how the relationship affects us, but how you are working Jesus' name. Oh, 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 oh,